Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are the Huddle with me, Graham, with me per usual, my boy, Prudential Marcus. What's up, Dev Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? Boys, very important week this week. It is getting to know you week, and we're going to be having a couple of guests. KP is joining us in a couple of seconds here, and she's going to break down huge knowledge on James Wiseman, and we're going to be welcoming in Wes Goldberg, who will let us know what's up with Kelly Oubre and how much Oubre is going to be helping the Warriors next year. And we're going to be kind of fancy about it. Uh, This episode is going to be KP alone. And then after this, later in the week, we'll release the Wes episode. Unless, of course, you are a Patreon supporter. And then uh, only because we appreciate you guys so much, we're going to make sure you get the full episode right now. And before we welcome in KP, and I'm eager to do it, I wanted to read you guys a quote, and it'll be a little redundant for you, Maxine, since you're the one who actually found it. Uh, But this is coming from Mark Spears. The article is entitled, Stephen Curry, Upon Hearing About Clay Thompson's Achilles Injury, A Lot of Tears. And here's the quote from Steph. Quote, we know we compete with anyone in the league. It's kind of crazy. We know how great Clay is, don't get me wrong, but we hear the chat. It's the end for us. This year is a wash. What are we going to do in the future? But we are in the moment right now. It's kind of refreshing being in that category as guys that are chasing. We know the Lakers are the defending champs. We've got to beat them. We're ready for them. Boys, I love this quote. If you're a Warrior fan and you're out there worried about whether or not you should continue to have hope for next year, you know why you should? Because mother Steph Curry, the two-time MVP, hasn't given up, and neither should you. So, and we'll see how this thing plays. This didn't go the way we wanted it to last week. I spent a full seven days at least feeling sorry for myself. But now that Steph is on board, now that uh, Oubre is in the locker room, I'm starting to have some optimism and I wanted to scream it as opposed to kind of like meekly saying it like I did last week. And am I pointed off, boys? Am I, am I getting you guys a little optimistic? Because I'm, I'm trying to pretend as hard as I can in hopes that I can inspire other people. <laughs> yeah, I'm there with you. Um, I mean, you look on paper and our squad is definitely a playoff team. I think losing Clay took away our... A right to say that we are, um, you know, a favorite to dethrone the Lakers. But I still think we have a puncher's chance and we're a dangerous team. I mean, anytime you have a motivated Steph Curry and then you have a bunch of really solid role players around him, you know, you're a dangerous team and that's what we have. So I'm optimistic. And I also just looking at the way 
Steph and Clay's games will age, I think it works to our favor. Like they're not a Derrick Rose, Russell Westbrook type of player where they just compete and their game is predicated on athleticism and just kind of out jumping and out running everybody. Like Clay, these are two catastrophic injuries, you know, no doubt about it. He'll be in rehab for two and a half years. That's tough any way you look at it. But he wasn't a big guy that would just go to the rim all the time. When he dunked, it was a surprise and it caught everybody by surprise. Um, So him being able to run around screens and just, you know, keep his stamina up and be able to shoot it quickly, I think it will age well and he'll be back, um, hopefully, to Steph's point, you know, in in a major way. So I think this this isn't another wash year. Um, I think we'll be a dangerous playoff team that people won't want to face. Clay famously put up huge points with only five dribbles, right, in the 27-point quarter. We know that he doesn't necessarily need athleticism to compete and to be elite. But what I loved about this quote, MT, was not Steph saying, hey, Clay's going to be back and we'll be back. What Steph is saying is Clay will, will be back, but we're here right now. We don't have to worry about whether or not Clay is Clay next year. That's for something that, you know, that's for future Warrior fans to worry about. Right now, we still have a competing team to quote Steph. We got to beat them. We're ready for it. I like it. Maxime, are you ready for this year? Yeah, hell yeah. And I, I just want to say, I feel like the, the Kelly Oubre signing is, or, or the way that he's been talking about um, arriving in the Bay is very indicative of why we should be so thankful and hyped that Steph is the helmsman of this squad. I mean, look at the way that people respond, or rather jump ship with James Harden, with most of these stars in the NBA. People want to play for Steph Curry in addition to with Steph Curry. And I think we're going to get the best of Ubre, who's an excellent player. I, there's, if if Steph is bringing that kind of energy, people are going to come to match and then surpass their own expectations. I cannot wait. What's your guy's personality type? Um, if you could choose, you can root for a favorite. You know, the, like we have been over the last five years, minus uh, last year's burger season, or you can root for an underdog. Which would you choose? And I'll give you some time to think. For me, and this is cheating. But I, if, if I could peek into the future, and I know I'm not supposed to say it this way, then it would be a backwards analysis. I would prefer root for a dynastic winner if they're guaranteed to win, right? And if I'm rooting for an underdog and they're guaranteed to not win a championship, I'm, I'm going to pick the championship season. But if both of them are unguaranteed, I have no idea how it's ultimately going to play out then the pursuit of the title is going to be a lot more fun rooting for the underdog. That's how every single movie on Earth works. You have never had a hero who was the favorite entering into it, right? So there are circumstances where it's better rooting for the underdog, you know, and maybe this will be one of those years. What's your guys' personality? Yeah, it's definitely more fun um, to root for the underdog. You know, I, there was a, a period of time in, you know, 2016 and 2017, right, when things started to feel a little bit inevitable, and I would just get sad when we would lose games because I'm expecting to win them. That's the complete opposite of what I'm used to as a Warriors fan and what I'm honestly looking forward to this year. I don't expect to win anything, and so everything is going to feel awesome. I'm the opposite. It warms my heart when I hear every pundit and reporter say, oh, the Warriors are going to win this. Why do we even play? So give me that dynastic team and let me root for them. I feel that. 
Um, but what if they're not, oh, I'm not even going to try to talk you out of it. I completely understand that. Um, and it is what it is. And it makes me want to say, F- you, Marcus, because we're trying <laughs> to be optimistic here and looking forward to next year, man. But I will take it. It is what it is. Um, let's welcome in KP. It is my pleasure to announce that rejoining us, an 11-year veteran of Yahoo Sports, where she's covered the Olympics, the Super Bowl, the Final Four, and focused on college hoops specifically for the last half decade, an NBA draft guru and expert who has followed the maturation of James Wiseman's game since he first appeared on the scene, and the best possible podcast guest you can have if your team has just landed, Wiseman with the second pick, Miss Kristen Peak. What's going on, KP? Hello, how are you guys doing? You know, draft is finally over. I'm really excited for Warriors fans. James Wiseman is a great fit for you guys, and I'm excited to, to tell you everything I know about him. I love you, KP. Let me just say that because <laughs> we all know that there's been some other things that's happened since Wiseman's come here, and for you to just focus on that really suggests you know how fragile and pissy I am right now. Uh, I mean, to answer your question, and we just kind of talked about this before the mics went hot, but I'm a manic depressive. If you get a chance, rewind this about 35 seconds, and you'll hear me screaming into the mic about how optimistic I am. And then when the mics went cold, I I started sobbing because I remembered the clay thing. So I don't know how this is going to go. I think I've turned to the corner and I'm excited, but I'm delicate, Christian. That's how I am. No, and that's to be expected. And I mean, I think everybody on draft night, there was kind of a shadow looming over when we saw the news about clay's injury and um, it, it, it became the focal point of the draft, so to speak. Do you know what I mean? And so um yeah, it was it was really, really sad to see that news break, you know, on on the night where dreams were going to be made for all of these players. Um, exactly right. And I'm not going to jump back down the negative rabbit hole. So instead, <laughs> let me ask you this. Um, I'm going to start with an off the court report. So it's my favorite session, Christian. And what it does is you know, we, we love doing this pod. We've been doing it for a while. But we don't have the access a lot of our guests have. That's really true for you. You see all these things off the court and on the court. And my question for this one is, you followed this draft class forever. You are watching some of their dreams be made. You're watching some of their dreams not come true. How is draft night for you? I mean, is it emotional? Is it nerve wracking? How, how does that thing play out while you're watching? It's like graduation. And it's like I'm an older sister, you know, wanting the best for all of these players. And of course, it's, it's a little emotional, right? Because I'm super excited for the guys that hear their names called in the first half of the draft. But then, you know, my heart is also, it breaks for the players who don't necessarily hear their names called until the end or they get undrafted. And you see how much hard work that they've put in. And you just hope that a team is going to give them the opportunity and the platform to kind of grow and mature as an NBA player. Um, But overall, like, I love the draft. It's my favorite night of the year. And I love, love, love getting to talk to these players after they get drafted. So it's it's really, it's, it's a high moment for me in my career, for sure. I am such a pleaser that if I followed somebody for a while and then they started dra- like dropping, especially like when they're in the green room, and I know that didn't happen this year because it wasn't live, but I'd start firing off preemptive texts and probably only make it worse. But things like, oh, I think you're so great and the, the league is making a mistake. Do you do that or do you try to stay out of their draft room and just experience it from afar? No, I told, I mean, I've said 
verbally and on record, you know, when uh, Mike Porter from the Denver Nuggets, when he fell to 14 and he was the number one player in high school and I saw how great he was, I said on camera, I said, let me just say, I think you are the steal of the draft. (laughs) I think these 13 teams that passed up on you are going to regret it two or three seasons down the road. And the same thing with Bull. Like, I mean, that's another Denver Nuggets team, but he fell to 44. Like there were 43 teams that passed up on Bull Bull. And we all saw what he did in the bubble. So I 100%, like if I see these kids or I get a chance to talk to them after the fact, I let them know that, like, I want to encourage them. Like, don't get discouraged from this. You know, Jemias Ramsey, he fell. He's going to uh, Sacramento. Oh, don't even get me started. But I I got a chance to talk to him briefly on Zoom, you know, with him and his family. And he was so down in the dumps. And I was just like, you know, just use this. Like, you can totally be the player that everyone thought you would be as like a first round pick. Like, use this opportunity and build on that. So, um, yeah, I, I I don't try to sugarcoat anything. I try to continue to encourage these players for sure and voice my opinion. We need Porter Jr. slash Bowl Bowl level encouragement right now. And when I say we, I mean Dub Nation, Marcus. No, Martina. hold on. For a second, you guys got Nico Mannion, who, let's talk about him for a second, who was a five-star recruit. He was the MVP of Hoop Summit. And I once saw him score six points in six seconds. So, <laughs> like, it was a steal for the Warriors to get a young point guard like Nico, for sure. Do you see him having a full career in the league? Do you think, see him having a meaningful, if not a starter, but real minutes as we go forward? No, I do. I, I 100% do. I think Nico is a great competitor. I think uh, he wasn't a great fit at Arizona, and it hurt him, and it kind of exposed his weaknesses a little bit to where – He wasn't allowed to grow and adapt to the pace of the college game uh, the way he wanted to. And I think with his work ethic and just his basketball IQ and learning from Steve Kerr and Steph and Clay when he's back and Kelly Oubre and everybody else that is there, like I think he's going to turn into a longtime pro. And even if it's just a role player, he's going to see solid minutes down the road. Redheaded basketball players always make me nervous. <laughs> like like Brian Scalabrini. Like, I don't know, but I, I will obviously take your uh, your read on it. Six points in six seconds. What, three steal three? How did he get that? Yes. No. I'm, And this was, you know, he doesn't pass the eye test, right? So just like what you just said. But I was such a doubter and I was at an AAU game when he was going into his senior year. And uh, do you know he played? This is a fun fact. He played with Dennis Rodman's son. So Dennis, I'm sitting next to Dennis Rodman filming this game, which was incredible. And Nico's coming down, and he crosses over his defender, hits a three, and then he sees the clock. This is halftime, right? Like it's not even like a championship game. He sees the clock winding down to halftime, steals the inbound pass, turn around, fade away three in the corner. Both went in like swishes. And that's when I was like, oh, okay, I'm in. I'm in on Nico Mannion. This is, uh, that is like high level basketball right there. What was Dennis Rodman's reaction? <laughs> you know what? I'll send you the clip because he was just like, damn. Well, yeah, was he like sitting there naked or something? Like, I, I can't <laughs> imagine him doing something normal, like watching his son play basketball. No, I he imagine was him sitting being there. there and have like a parrot or something. <laughs> he was sitting there. He had his arms crossed. You know, he's got all those earrings in his ears. His fingernails are painted. He had a hat on and sunglasses, but I'm sitting right next to him. And you just see him just like, he was impressed. He was just as impressed as I was of Nico's 
last second plays there to end the half in a random AAU game. You know, that's why you got to love AAU basketball. You never know what you're going to see. Marcus, you're on board for uh, Nico Manning? Uh, we'll see. I mean, I love the tie-in with Steph Curry. You know, you went to Steph Curry's camp and KP has been a fan of Nico's for a while. I remember hearing that name and, um, you know, I trust her. So we'll see. I think he's in a good place to learn. Like KP was saying, I think he picks up some knowledge too from um, Brad Wanamaker. I think he's a good influence on him. And I think um, Sean Livingston, now that he's back with the organization, comes down and gives him some good tips as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully he proves us wrong because he does not pass the eye test. I couldn't even think of another redheaded player besides Scalabrini. So, <laughs> Wait, can I, can I just tell you that Nico's dad, Pace, was drafted by the Warriors in 1983. So this is a very full circle moment for the Mannion family. You know, I was about to say that. It's weird. That's the level of research I do, too. But, I mean, if you want to have that point, Christian, I can give it to you. I can also tell you, I cannot get over the Dennis Rodman thing. You randomly mentioning that you were sitting next to him is like me running into Bigfoot at a Starbucks. And I, and I just say it and then move on immediately. So good for you. But I, uh, I digress. The person I really want to hear about, and, and the Mannion knowledge is huge, is James Wiseman. And let me start here. How long have you followed Wiseman? I, the first time I saw James was when he was going into his junior year of high school um, during AAU basketball. And it was right when he was kind of blossoming on the scene as a as a big-time high school recruit. Um, and he was, you know, quiet, very unassuming. Like, he didn't realize how good he was. Um, he was a still, at that point, like a very raw shot blocker and a more traditional post player. And it wasn't until the next year where he really added more tools to his game, you know, with the pick and pop. And right now, I mean, he's still, he's still adding to it. Like he told me that all he's been working on is uh, the pick and the pick and roll or the pick and pop extending his game to the three. Um, but yeah, he's just, he's gradually increased tools and, and gradually become a better player. The longer I've seen him to the point where he was the number one recruit coming out of high school. Um, so that has, that has to say a lot. I'm belaboring the obvious, but I want to make sure everybody understands um, just how valuable your observations are. Most of the country, most of the NBA scouts, most of everybody has seen him play what the, you know, the 32 seconds he played at Memphis. You actually watched him play live games. You were live. You've seen his game develop over time. Yes, that's mm-hmm. correct. It's been a solid three or four years that I've mm-hmm. seen him play multiple, multiple games. And have you also talked to the people around him, coaches, high school coaches, that kind of stuff? You have a sense of who he is. Yeah, of course. And I've talked to James and it was so funny when, because let me tell you about the draft night experience for me as a reporter. So I was giving a, I was given a Zoom room, right, for the NBA. And they're like, we won't know who you're going to get until they show up. And I'm like, man, if I were anybody else, that would drive me nuts as a reporter trying to interview prep for what 30, 35 players and not knowing what oh, 12 insane. you're going to no, get. That's completely unfair. That's completely ridiculously unfair. But for me, I was like, yeah, right. Whoever, like I, I know all these players, like it's fine. And so just to Do you know how badly reaction. I would sweat if they did that to me, even just hearing about it right now, it's making me hell of nervous. And I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. But I, I can't no, believe no, no. But I, James was my first interview. And so he pops up and like, you could tell that he was he was kind of dreading the whole you know hour of interviews that he had to do and then he sees me and he's like 
oh, hey, KP. And I was like, James, congratulations. I said, I'm so excited for you. Like, we're just going to do a quick interview. How are you doing? He goes, I'm so excited to talk to you. You're my favorite. You were my favorite person to talk to in high school. This is so nice for me. I'm like, what are you talking? Like, this is your night. Like, please, let's let's focus. Like, let's talk about you, you know? But he he was so awesome. And I have to tell you, like, his reaction when I asked him about the clay injury and just how thoughtful he was about it and in the sense where he was already saying we hmm. like we are going to get through this like uh we as an organization we're we're going to work through this and we wish the best for him and he's going to come back and we're going to be better and at that moment i knew he was the right fit for the warriors like he was already on board yeah. like he he hasn't met clay he hasn't, you know, been part of the team for all of five minutes. And he was already in that we mentality of supporting his teammate and supporting the organization and getting the positive message out there that even though like he might be their newest teammate, but he's already behind them and he's already supporting Clay. I like that a lot. It shows a lot of confidence um, for a kid his age, even if you're picked that high it's hard to immediately view yourself as a part of the team, as a part of a locker room. I wouldn't, you know, it would take me a while. I need to go into the training camp. Someone would have to kind of show me to use the phrase we. Uh, and I like it a lot that he's already doing it. Uh, did you get the impression that he couldn't be happier to land in Golden State? He could not be happier. He was so excited. And even when I asked him, I said, were you nervous at all when the news broke of Clay that they might try to go for – another guard like LaMelo or trade down and get another shooting guard. And he said, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like it definitely crossed my mind, but the fact that they do see something in me and they want me a part of their organization shows just how much I fit with them. And, and, and and I, I want to work. Like I want to show them, I want to show Steph and I want to show Draymond and I want to show Steve Kerr and Bob Myers that, I am the player that they think I am and that they want me to be. What does that mean to you, Marcus, to hear that? I mean, do, do you like hearing that from your players? Is it not a really big deal? Um, I think it's a big deal, um, but in particular because of his situation. You know, there's a I think a lot of players are good at um, saying what they're supposed to say in that moment. Um, they've been coached well and they have good media training now um, to say that not every player does it but a lot of them do but it coming from um, Wiseman I think means something a little different just because of what he went through like he only played a handful of games and then you know obviously sat out the rest of his college career so there's a bunch of question marks about him he's been had his game kind of had holes poked through it the whole time and um, you know there's a, a lot of buzz about this being a weak draft class and that he wasn't deserving of it, of the spot he would go. So I think after hearing all of that and having just your game and your you know professional ability questioned for that long, for him still to be humble and come in and to KP's point, talk about we right off the bat and say that he's ready to go to work and sound like a vet who's coming in on a contract year is just um, hopeful. And the suggestion that he also sees this as the missing puzzle piece, right? I mean, right. I, I understand that there's there's concerns and we'll see the upsides of his game with KP here, but one of the positions of need the Warriors really uh, had going into the draft was a rim running center. They found one and it sounds like he's just as happy to be found as we are 
to have him on the roster. Um, Christian, I've been waiting, I don't know, months to talk to you about this, but we identified the draft as an, you know, the most important part of the Warriors season crazy early last year. The second Steph got hurt, we knew that really it was just going to be about who they used the draft pick on. And we have had you on a bunch of times and we've talked about the possibilities, but super early, pre-bubble early, when the mics were not hot and you were talking with us, you let us know way the hell back then that the Warriors had already kind of narrowed their search and one of the few people they were considering was Wiseman. Am I remembering that right? Have, have they been on this guy for longer than, uh, than the current perception may be? Yeah, I mean, they they were doing their homework and I I talked to a bunch of teams and I talked to the Warriors and one of the few players that they were inquiring about with background intel for their draft pick cuz they didn't know at that time like where they were going to be picking. Right. You know, obviously they didn't know until August that they were going to get the second pick, but uh one of the top players that they were inquiring about was James Wiseman. You know, they were doing a lot of homework on him. So, um, yeah, James has been on their radar for a long time. And I know that it's come out um, this week that the organization, when they talked to James in June, they thought, no, this is this is who we want. This is the missing piece that we need. And it was confirmed when they went to see him work out in October. And at, the, at that time, they didn't know. They didn't know if. Minnesota was shopping around the trade and they were going to draft James for a different team. Like they didn't know where he was going to fall. So I know the front office is extremely happy that James has joined them and that they were able to get him with their second pick. You mentioned the word homework and now I'm going to be distracted if I don't say this. KB, did you know that Nico Mannion's father was actually drafted by the Warriors back in the 80s? <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure if you got that, but uh, uh, tell me about the um, homework and what the Warriors ultimately learned about Wise. What elite skills does he have that you're confident will translate at the NBA level, if not immediately within the first two or three years? I mean, he's seven feet tall. He has a seven foot seven foot five wingspan he's super athletic and moves very well for his size his nba comp is chris bosh he's a lefty um and he just has a lot of different tools to to his game i mean he's got a strong back to the basket game he plays above the rim his mid-range game is great and the only i think knock on his game is his three-point game but he hasn't played a college game in a year and he has told me and has like posted videos of himself working on his outside game, working on his outside shot in the event where there's a double team on Steph or anybody else on the team. And he has that open shot to knock down the three. So he is very aware that that is an area of his game that he has to work on, but everything else is top notch. And, you know, I, I've read that some, that some people in the organization for the Warriors said, they haven't seen a player of his caliber and skill set come out since Joel Embiid. So if that's who we're looking at for James Wiseman, then he's in a great spot for the Warriors. Do you agree with that? I imagine you watched Embiid um, come up through the ranks as well. Do, do you think that at least as far as potential, they are similar? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think James was a way better high school prospect than Joel was. And um, I didn't expect Joel to be as productive as he is as an NBA player. So I always love to see that when they, you know, excel their, ex in my expectations. And I think 
James already has, I already have high expectations for him because he was the best player in high school and he obviously was a top two draft pick. Um, so I have high expectations for him, but I think he can meet them just in his work ethic and just how gifted he is. Like he is just naturally a very, very good basketball player. I am going to admit to you that I use phrases all the time that I don't really understand. I do it to try to sound more informed or smarter. I do it in normal conversation. I do it on this podcast and on the podcast recently, especially with Wiseman, I use the phrase that you just threw out. I say that he's super athletic or he has elite athleticism. Christian, I don't know what that means. If I tell you that he's an amazing shooter, I know what that means. If I tell you he's an amazing defender, I know what that means. Rebounder, I know what that means. Elite athleticism, I can't immediately define. Help me. What, what, when we say that he is an unbelievable athlete, what does that mean? How does that translate to the NBA? He's faster than other centers. Like we're talking seven feet tall, right? And he can beat wings down the court, guys that are 6'6". Six, six. You know what I mean? So he's, he's fast. He has great hands. A lot of centers don't have great hands. And he has amazing timing defensively in terms of shot blocking and also offensively and reading, like if there's going to be a lob, if he's got a, you know, pinch for an offensive rebound, like he's just athletic and he's able to bang in the post with other players and out of nowhere, like get, get a ball that he has no business getting. So when I talk athletic, I mean, he's just got different attributes to his game that makes him significantly better than the average player that's on the court. Maxime, do you have any follow-ups about his ability to speak Mandarin or any other language? Or not? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, does he um, does he average six points in six seconds? Because <laughs> that translates to I like 10,000 points I'm in a game. Sure, yeah, and... I'm not sure Mandarin is averaging six points every six <laughs> seconds. I, I feel like that's not a word we heard drop. But if that's true, Christian, how the hell did Mandarin slide that far? I mean, that, that's an unbelievable points per game. <laughs> I know. I just saw it the one time, so I can't. I can't, you know, speak on the other no, other, I'm, you know, our, games our next, that he was. <laughs> our next guest is actually Dennis Rodman, who's watched all of his games. Um, so we we will ask Dennis. That's not a problem. Um, I've got a segment. I am a little nervous for, but I'm also really excited to go through. I'm going to call it "Bet Your Life," and here's the idea. I've got a couple of questions for all of us, and we it's betting your life is a little morbid, so let's change it. For each one of those, let's say you are being forced to bet something significant to you, a rent payment, a mortgage payment, something that you do not want to lose, okay? So here's the first one, hopefully an easy uh, question to begin with. We are talking about James Wiseman. Would you bet a mortgage payment or whatever it is that he's going to be a starting center in the league for at least 10 years? I'll go first, yes. I'll say yes. I'll second that. Ooh, 10 years? <laughs> Jeez, man. It's long. Yeah, yeah, I'll go make it five. I mean, who cares? We'll, we, we will go five. That's too far. This is supposed to be an easy yes all around the board. So let's make it five. Yeah, I mean, if it's five, I think so. I, it just depends on how, if that three-point shot comes around. If, if he develops that, I, I can see 10. If it doesn't, then I think five is probably the ceiling. We'll keep it at five for now, Maxine. Yep, yep, for sure. Can he, will he at some point in his career average more than 12 rebounds a game? Kristen, what do you got? Sure. Yeah. He's seven feet tall. And sure. athletic as hell and he's faster than yeah. anybody else. I'll say yes as well, MT. 
Well, yeah, Brooke Lopez is seven feet tall, and he averages like one rebound. Um, but nobody's ever used the phrase athleticism of any type with Brooke Lopez. Like elite, terrible, anything. No one's ever used that. He has a three-point shot. Um, yeah, I'm going to say yes. I think he, he can get ten rebounds. Maxime? Yeah, yeah. Can he make an all-star team? Will he make an all-star team? Kristen, you go first. Are we, are we saying, you know, like the – the all-star team in terms of what is it like the freshman, sophomore or the no, first year, great second question. year? Or he, plays on, he plays on Sunday. Not none of the, you know, them against the world. None of the, the stuff that leads up to the game. I mean, the actual game on Sunday, the all-star game. Will he make one of those? Uh, sure. I'm not as con. Can I give me real? I mean, yeah. Like- and, and here I'll, I'll focus on you because you're the one who's watched it. Right. I'm, I'm just going to give us your real take because I want to get a sense of who we are adding. You know, so if you had to bet it, I mean, this is a guess. We'll call it a hypothesis. Do you think based on on his skill set, he'll make an all star game during his career? During his career? Sure. Okay. Is it going to happen anytime soon? I don't know, because there is there are a lot of talented big man in the West. So I'm saying, does he have a skill set to make a first or second all defensive team? Yeah. Think you will? Uh, maybe second team. All right, I'll take that. Um, and do you think he will ever play in the finals as a starting center? Well, I don't know. Are the Warriors going to make the finals next year? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why? Because you think the title window shuts quickly? Um, without going into <laughs> what could be the depressing details. It sounds like that one's probably a no. I I think if in a full healthy uh, Warriors roster, yes, he could play in the finals. Uh, let's address what Marcus was saying, and I heard you too. So one of the holes is his outside shot. He's not reliable from three yet, and in today's NBA, we kind of need that. Is there reason to think he'll be able to develop that, and that that skill set's coming? Yes. And like I said, I mean, basketball comes so easy to James. And the fact that I've, what I've seen him do from the time he was 16 to now is pretty incredible. And now that he has something to play for and this is his career, I think we're just going to see him grow even more. So if Steve Kerr says, hey, James, you need to perfect an outside shot from this spot and this spot or this spot off the pick and roll. If they double team Steph, then I think he'll do it. I think he'll put in the work and do it. Give me a story from high school or from anything, just some moment that you can remember where you watched him, where you were like, Whoa, you know, damn, look at this guy. This something that illustrates his athleticism or anything else, man, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a couple stories. So, uh, McDonald's all American practice, you know, that's when all the NBA scouts were able to see him for the first time. And he, they were doing, I think, four on four or five on five. And he had these two dunks <clears throat> where I just thought he was going to tear the rim down in practice. <laughs> and all the NBA scouts, they're just like looking at each other, like, Oh my gosh, like who is this guy? And then the following year before he quit the team at Memphis, um, I went to a practice and I was there. Every single NBA team was there sitting in the gym. It was packed and you got, you know, Mike Miller, and Penny Hardaway running practice with this like young, super athletic. I keep saying athletic, but that's what they are. Like 
really great Memphis team that nobody's seen yet, right? And James Wiseman goes up for a rebound, comes down, rolls his ankle. The entire gym goes silent. And you look at, you look at all the NBA scouts and they're just like holding their breath, right? Like, is he going to get up? Is this it? Do we just see the end of the season? And, and he gets up, he hobbles off, practice is over. Like he doesn't go back on the court and the scouts, they also leave before the players leave, but I don't have to. So, you know, I'm, they leave the gym and I'm still in the gym and I, I check on James and he's got ice on his ankle and he's walking around the training center and eating eight slices of pizza and, and all the <laughs> NBA scouts, all the NBA scouts are texting me. They're like, how's James? How's Wiseman? How does his ankle look? And I'm like, like hungry. He needs to work on his, his eating habits, perhaps, and some of his health management, but it looks like his ankle is fine. That's fantastic. I'm surprised. You it know, didn't... Go ahead. Do you know what I asked him? Because I think I've told you guys this before, but his favorite place to eat is Baskin Robbins. Like he, he told me he used to go to Baskin Robbins every single day and get a scoop of ice cream. So I asked him on draft night, I was like, James, are you still eating Baskin Robbins every day? And he just laughs and he goes, "No, KP, I had to give that up." Like Weird. my trader got my, my trader got so mad at me, and I actually have to be healthy now. I'm like, Chris, oh, okay. Christian, if I was a plumber, I couldn't get away by just only going to Baskin Robbins and eating every day. Like, yeah, he probably should change his uh, his eating habits if he's going to be a professional athlete. Last question. Uh, and I'd forgotten who was his coach at the collegiate level. But do you think that having two past NBA guys and Mike Miller and Penny Hardaway and two guys who were, who were part of up-tempo systems when they were playing in the league, does that help him? Do you think that helps him make the transition to the NBA a little bit faster? I think so. And, you know, anytime you see these players that entrust their future in former pros like Penny Hardaway, like Mike Miller – and you're learning from them and you're getting encouragement from them. Like I think encouragement and just comfort in your own game is huge for, for the NBA and knowing like I, I belong here, I can do this. And so even in the short time that James got that from Penny Hardaway and Mike Miller, I think it's risen his confidence in knowing, no, I belong here. I'm going to be good. Like, now he's going to a team that's a little more mature and he's going to learn and he's going to observe and, and just soak it up as much as he can, you know? And I hope, I hope he gets battered in the lane with Draymond Green. Like I hope there's battles in practice like that to get him a little tougher to when he faces all the competition in the West that they're going to face. And I think that's going to happen. I think this is a great team for James to kind of blossom in his career. How, does he have some dog in him? Um, I mean, is that, I heard you. Is Draymond going to have to teach him how to be fiery in the paint, or is there already some of that in his personality? Let me tell you something. There was a moment when Vernon Carey Jr. from Duke, um, who went, I think, 31 in the draft, was the number one player in the country, and James was two. And so the two of them went head-to-head at Peach Jam, and James was on a mission he was going to let the entire gym know that, no, I am the number one player in the country. Like, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know who you think he is, but I'm the best player in this class. And he, it was like dunks and stare downs Love and that. like, 
you know, that sort of thing. So I totally think he's got that sort of dog mentality. There's going to be a, hopefully, an us against the world mentality in Golden State's locker room. So that's going to be really um, needed, you know, and, and really well welcomed. Kristen, amazing. We appreciate you giving us some time. I'm, I'm really serious. Thank you. And this stuff is, is gold and is necessary right now. Um, so we appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. I mean, that's what I'm here for. Like, I don't follow these players for years and years just to give them a round of applause when they're drafted. I love telling their story and and talking about them for sure. So anytime. We'll be back next season, too, because. <laughs> don't you say that, Marcus. Don't you say that. <laughs> no, because of Minnesota. Minnesota's oh, going to convey go. their pick. They're going to get number four, and we're going to get the fourth pick, and we're going to need to oh, hear. I, can, I cannot wait to talk about next year's draft class. You guys know that that is, like, my heart and soul. Oh. I love, love this, this draft class coming up. We're 100% going to do that. And let me give you a quick glimpse into how pompous I am before we let you go, Christian. When you said, I haven't been watching these guys forever just to applaud them at the draft, I thought you were going to end it with, I've done that so that I could talk about it on the huddle. And then it didn't, it didn't happen like that at all. So, you know, it's not the ending I was hoping for. But uh, jokes aside, thank you. And uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about next year's draft very soon. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Boys, huge fun. Always true, certainly true this week. If you are out there, you want to help us out, uh, I cannot tell you how much we would appreciate it. We are up on Patreon. Just go to P-A-T-R-E-O-N, look up Warriors Huddle, and you can help us out for as little as like a dollar a month. You can also follow us on Twitter at Warriors Huddle. And if you want to tell us that we were terrible, that we were good, that we were anywhere in between, you can shoot us an email to uh, warriorshuddle at gmail.com. With that in mind, go Warriors, and hopefully... We'll see you next week. Good, good. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.